0: This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayake. What's up listeners, welcome to a brand new episode of Inspiring Design. We're continuing on with Season 3, and I'm your host, Rashan Sananarika. Today is yet another international recording with a very special guest, Lavinia Ayosub from Bali, Indonesia. Lavinia is originally from Romania, and she's a future of work enthusiast and the managing partner of Live It International, a service provider and a support system for startups. Together with a team of awesome individuals, Lavinia helps entrepreneurs and their teams accelerate their business by offering inspiring co-working and shared offices in Bali, as well as business support consultancy services internationally. She's a firm advocate of productivity, innovation, community, business success, and adventure as you should go hand in hand. She has worked and studied and lived in eight countries and four continents and has vis- visited an incredible 35 plus countries. That's just awesome. So before we get into the world of startups, co-working, she's experimented with banking, NGOs, event management and worked with a variety of global renowned brands and their representatives, such as The Economist, Facebook and Microsoft as well as some celebrities. She's the right lady to speak about today, this most important topic, the future of work. So I'm excited and let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Lavinia.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Urshan.
0: Can we start off with some background and what's your story?
1: Um, Sure, you've already given quite a bit of background (laughs) on me. Um, uh, I'm Lavinia, I was uh, born and raised in Romania, I have uh, lived, uh, studied, worked on on four continents so far. Um, That's
0: pretty impressive. It's
1: a journey that has, um, you know, uh, carried me through different kinds of experiences and and, and circumstances, cultures, uh, and, and and so on, which I'm very grateful for, and I would not do it any other way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm currently at residing in bali for two-thirds of the year mm-hmm. um i am a digital nomad or location independent entrepreneur for the rest mm-hmm. uh where i travel while i work yeah. um for at least a few months a year Yeah, uh, and i spend a bit of time uh, back in europe with my family as well Um, and yeah I'm really excited to be talking about the future of work with you today and and not only work but like work such a big part of our lives absolutely so when we talk about the future of work we talk about
0: the future really exactly and to me on a personal level I think work is about how you contribute towards society so if it needs to align with your passions and absolutely you're you're exactly right now tell me a little bit about um, live it international and project getaway
1: Sure. So, um, yeah, Vivid International is a uh, support system for startups. I like to call it a support system. Um, mm-hmm. We are a perfect partner for specifically tech founders, but not only uh, who want to grow um, teams that are um, able to to work productively and are high performance mm-hmm. um, in a remote capable environment. Uh, we are a perfect partner for people who want to um, set up in Bali, um, either with their company or part of the team, temporarily or long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do a variety. We have Variety of services as you mentioned before, yeah. um, and and help with a lot of a lot of different uh, things, um, aspects from uh, from admin to um, to organizing uh, recruitment for you and um, yeah consultancy spaces here and so on. Um, so Livid International is like a bit of an umbrella brand mm-hmm. under which we have a variety of other things going on. Yeah. Um we just had a tour together of Livid Hub Bali, which is uh, one of our brands and mm-hmm. it's a um, yeah it's a four-story uh, startup and co-working innovation hub mm-hmm. in a in here in Bali. It's got a variety of spaces of all kinds um, for all the needs of our entrepreneurs and teams. Uh, Project Getaway by Livid is also one of our brands and what we do is with that is that we curate getaway experiences and workcation experiences, which is work plus vacation. Wow. Um, For either founders, where we select a group of people from all over the world um, and we bring them in Bali, so they work with each other, inspire each other, and help each other level up their businesses. Or for your team, if you want to either pull your remote team here in Bali or bring a team that is located somewhere else, for a bit of a um, you know work productivity inspiration headspace also bonding with others and so on so 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 we basically organize this um, this um, this experiences that bring people out of their day to day routine in an inspiring tour free environment because we take care of everything and allow them the chance to um, be inspired dream big and level up.
0: That's awesome. How did you come up with that?
1: <laughs> so, um, we are, I'm the managing partner at Livit, we are two partners. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner is called Michael Bodekar, um, is the founder of Livit. Um, uh, Livit started as a small uh, community of uh, founders, uh, co-working, co-living community. So he um, he actually has a really interesting story. He is a corporate SKP as we would call them nowadays, right? right? Uh, from a big consultancy firm. and. He came to Bali and he said, "You know, enough with this drudgery and and everything. Let's see what else can we, um, you know, can we make happen in this." Changing world of work, right? And this was happening about ten years ago, wow. when hashtag none of those things were trending, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so he started living uh, and working together in a villa with this other entrepreneurs, and then live it uh, over time developed as a yeah as a support system for for people who want to do the same thing, right? Like want to build disruptive businesses. That are um, are changing the world in a smaller or bigger way, as cheesy as that sounds, uh, but also don't want to give up on work-life balance and really enjoying a grateful life. Um, so, so, so Michael came up with the idea, and then a few years ago, I I, I took over and. Um, added a few things to the business model. We are now able to um, to impact a variety of different types of entrepreneurs and teams. We've also built the hub that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, the future is looking bright and exciting.
0: That's pretty incredible. And I think that's it's almost something that a lot of people are seeking without even their own knowledge of it. So that's incredible that you've achieved this, and congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so, you meant we've already, we're here to talk about the future of work, and understanding the vision that you've had, um, and how you've developed that with Live it International. How do you see Industry 4.0 in the 21st century? Because we're back home in Australia, we're looking at Industry 4.0 as the start of this decade, and we're about to enter into that next transition. It's still evolving, <clears throat> excuse me, most people don't know what that's going to look like and especially in educating and training our next generation who are going to be the leaders of tomorrow how do you see industry 4.0 and what the 21st century future work looks like
1: mm-hmm. so from the um, from the angle from the point of view of work right um i think what we see is that the the way it works going to look in 5, 10, 20 Mm -hmm. years from now, or even right now is vastly different from what it looked like um, 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, or even 5 years ago, right? Um, What's going on there are a variety of factors or or, um, causes for that, but really what's happening is that uh, we see a shift from uh, work being a place an office i go to work Mm -hmm. and i'm at work even Mm -hmm. if i'm drinking coffee and talking to my family right um to work being a an activity or an experience Um, and what that means is it shifts this um strong link between where you are physically with doing work right and um so we see location independence arising which means you can do work from anywhere mm-hmm. um, that means you can be home or you can be traveling the world which is otherwise known now as digital nomadism yeah. right
0: laptop lifestyle
1: <laughs> laptop lifestyle um so that's something that's changing a lot um we see remote work being adopted by a lot of Big and significant organizations, in to certain extent, but we also see remote first what we call remote first organizations that started off as being doing remote work becoming like taking over the world, becoming very big. Um, And together with that, a number of other shifts are happening, one of them being obviously more focused on. I don't know if work-life balance or the integration of life and mm-hmm. work, right? Because mm-hmm. it used to be this like big comp- compartmentalization, like this is work, this is life, and um, and now the lines are being blurred, which is, can be both good and bad mm-hmm. um, in, in in different ways. Um, and and together with remote work, something else that we see um, is a shift which I think is only in its inception right now, but it will happen a lot over the next years, a shift from um, synchronous communication to asynchronous communication. Mm -hmm. What that means is right now in an office environment, we need an answer from a colleague, they'll be on the ball and reply right away, or we expect them to, right? Um, What remote-first organizations that work in a variety of time zones and everything are doing now and advocating for is a different model where people work independently. People in teams work independently, and we'll talk a little bit more on on that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're able to solve problems um, in in within their own time zone without needing like instant, let's say, instant messaging and instant support from from their colleagues in a different in a different country or so, or needing that but being able to wait right Mm -hmm. for a certain number of hours why that's important is because it shifts the focus from replying right away whatever crosses your mind to deep work to um, a different kind of productivity to coming up with answers that are based on research and uh, well thought out rather than the first thing that comes up yeah so it, it impacts a little bit the, the nature of, of work, right? Like the dynamic, the, the workflows, the communication, but also the out, output, right, that you have. Um, another thing that we see is a shift from a an economy that is based mostly on giant corporations, which are the biggest contributors and the employers of choice, right? Mm-hmm. Which we've seen, we've got the top 100, you know, yeah. uh, tops and everything. Um, to an entrepreneur-driven economy mm-hmm. um, in a variety of societies, not only developed countries, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, so you see people moving towards having their own thing, or at least being freelancers and so on. There are countries such as the U.S. where that's massive. Like in the next ten to twenty years, that's going to be more than half of the population, wow. right, working in in some shape or form um, of like sort of an independent uh, type of work, either freelancing, having some kind of a gig or being a solopreneur or an entrepreneur or small business and so on. Yeah. Um, what else do we see? I think the really important one that I, I absolutely have to, to mention is a shift from typical management that is based, everything that we do right now is based on the industrial revolution, on working in factories, right? The shift. 3.0. The, exactly. The shift based work, you know, with fixed hours. Yeah. The management system where you've got like five people reporting to one person who's reporting to another person and so on. All of that is based on a very different type of work than the work that will be valued in mm-hmm. the coming decades, yeah. right? So, um, so, so, what you have there is Cherokees are becoming flatter, distance to power is becoming smaller. Distance to power is this idea that people consider it's normal for the boss to be like on top of um, sort of everything and at the high distance both both physically and in terms of um, incomes and privilege compared to the let's say junior people or entry-level people in the organization right yeah um, at Livid, for example, we we, we we run Livid on a on a system called Polocracy, uh, mm-hmm. um, which is um, a, basically a way of decentralizing authority and enabling contributors, individual contributors and small teams, to work and. Contribute in a much more agile, independent way. So it's basically a self-management system instead of a centralized management yeah. system. Um, it's a it's a relatively new new concept mm-hmm. um, for those for those listeners that might might be interested in it. There are, there are a variety of of, of um, online videos, for example, and then a book written on it. Um, it is a very daring. Uh, system right now that a lot of people kind of um, doubt will will scale, but it's a it's a really it's a really interesting new model, and I'm excited about us exploring this new ways, new formats of running organizations.
0: Absolutely, and I think I can see a lot of benefit in that because it gives accountability to each person rather than one person holding that power or multiple, like you said, their tiers and. I think this is very similar to the business model of a massive company that we all know, Google, where they only actually have three tiers of management regardless of the amount of sheer amount of employees that they have. So I think definitely this is this is onto something and your Live It International, what you've achieved here is evidence of the same success, isn't it? So it's um I think it's very interesting and, and personally speaking I think it's here to stay. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and what I can tell you at the level we are doing it is a few of the very positive changes that you see in the system like that. When you give people the opportunity to feel ownership over what they're doing, autonomy. Uh, there's a really good book uh, written by uh, Dan Pink. It's mm-hmm. called Drive, and um, uh, I think the subtitles is The Surprising Truth About What Motivates People mm-hmm. um, and he talks about three aspects, one of them is, is autonomy. one of them is mastery and one of them is purpose. Mm-hmm. So no matter what kind of organization you lead, if you're able to instill those three things in, into what people perceive as like to work there, um, you're on to a great success, I believe. Um, so. Um, You've got, you know, in holocracy or in this newer type of um, type of systems, you've got a lot of autonomy. You give people the tools, the support, the resources that they need to run that project or bit of the company that they're running. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also give them the autonomy to decide when, how, with whom to do that work, um, to express themselves through 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 how they want to do that. And that also leads to mastery, of course, right? because um, also in Livid, we we, we give a lot of tools for continuous learning, Mm -hmm. so we encourage people both through giving them time out of the work time that is paid, and then also budgets and um, all kinds of support to continuously learn. Because it's actually one of the things that will prepare us for the future of work that we're going to talk about uh, probably in a bit
0: absolutely that's I love it and if this is something that I think a lot of people are searching for but they're not aware of what that's called and you've given them the a clear direction to go and learn about it that's perfect now if we're breaking down what the key skills are f- to succeed in this future of work that uh, has a lot of gray areas but you've actually defined and broken that down a lot what are the key skills that you think are required on an individual basis so that A lot of my listeners are teachers and students, so they can actually consciously go out and upskill and increase their skills currency.
1: Mm -hmm. It's hard to give a short answer here, but I think one way of summarizing it would be um, that the future of work is moving a lot towards right brain type of skills mm-hmm. so anything that is left brain that is sequential that is algorithmic that is following some kind of predefined order or rules yeah all of that is being automated right now
0: by ai coming into play more and more Yes.
1: even so ai is quite advanced that's you know machine learning and all of that but even simple algorithms you know mm-hmm. even things that were done by people a few years ago, now they are being. Um, you don't even have to bring something as sophisticated as AI in the in the question, although that's a big part of the future. Mm-hmm. But just little, you know, automation tools, True. you know, that you were doing. Like, let's think of a super simple example. Like, you've got, for example, um, uh, let's say Mailchimp or um, ConvertKit, which are this the tools for sending out newsletters and stuff like that. Before you used to input right yep. in yep. a database email addresses and names. Now you import from a list or you know from a file and goes directly into that right. Yep. So data entry or you know the, the sort of things like basic accounting, all of this stuff. Don't invest in that. Forget it. it's gonna be automated. It's going to be AI is there, yep. algorithms are there, tools are there it's it's not, it's not part of the skills for the future. So what that brings us to is right brain type of skills and that is basically um, anything that has to do with holistically analyzing things, right? Um, algorithms and AI are getting really good at analyzing something like a very defined like a database or something, right? Um, coming up with solutions that are based on creativity and intuition. Um, all of this human touch sort of um, skills, right? They're going to be so much harder to automate um, and humans have actual genuine interest in doing that kind of work, which makes me believe that they're, they're here to stay, right? That's right. So um, another aspect here, another layer that I think people can think of when they think, what direction should my education take is um, uh, the idea of cross cross-industry, mm-hmm. cross-background, cross-cultural, cross-anything, right? Whenever you can combine different skills that have to do or knowledge that has to do with different types of specializations, with different types of cultural backgrounds, right? With uh, with different types of fields, you're a winner there because the world is getting going more towards niches right so um so you will be relevant um if you're able to pull in more types of more types of information and more types of of skills and create something unique and you absolutely
0: that. and actually this is a bit of a throwback to season one where i got to speak with leanne kemp she's the queensland chief entrepreneur and that episode was on skills currency and she spoke about this exact the value of doing that going gaining experience from multiple industries multiple companies or whether that's multiple skills sets. exactly what you're saying to increase your skills currency value and that's great advice i think that's that's perfect where currently i think our students are battling that because they're in that system of specializing at a university level and then entering that industry in a very, very specific to work your way through the ladder as we know it. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any advice or thoughts on how they how do you break out of that? Unless, yeah, how do you break out of that?
1: One key element here is mindset,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there are a few different aspects here. Uh, one important one is the fact that smart companies are now looking less at existing skills and more at attitudes and behaviors and one of those attitudes for example is the the acceptance that we now live in a world where you have to learn, unlearn, relearn and fast right Um, so this is not a world for the knowledge workers anymore it's the world of the perpetually fast learning workers if I am to say that right um, so, for example, when when we're hiring for sometimes even senior positions, we we look more at what's the track record of this person being able to adapt, being able to learn new things, being able to face a variety of situations, and make the best out of them and thrive, and less about you know, the actual things and titles and skills that are on their CV. Because if you've got a person, we had experiences in the past where we had somebody who sounded perfect on paper and they had a lot of skills and a lot of experiences that qualified them for the job, but they refused to unlearn and relearn. Setting their ref- ways too much. Exactly, right? Or they refused to um uh, to, to sort of make space for a different mindset, for a different way of looking at things, right? And that didn't work out, even if the person was perfectly qualified for the job. At the same time, we've had people who had nothing on their CV that was qualifying them for the job, but over years grew in the organization to take key absolutely Super important positions um, by having that attitude and behavior of learning, learning a lot, loving it, thriving while doing it, being interested in multiple different things at the same time while specializing in something, um, but keeping their their mind open to 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 new things, to being challenged, to um, to understanding that something you might have learned ten years ago or five years ago or even one year ago might not be anymore absolutely
0: right? and, that, and that, that's something what's scary for a lot of people because they don't want to look at it. it's it's a failure like you're wasting time if you're investing it's, it's exactly what you said it's that mindset shift and I think this is directly related to resilience and being able to fail forward there are it's it's some it's an attribute that I actually work with my students as well and go through that design iteration process so design thinking where even if you fail something, take the learnings, adapt, evolve, move on to the next thing. Keep going, keep going. Rather than looking at it as a failure and then going backwards, it builds resilience as well. So this is brilliant. I love it. It aligns exactly with, I think, what's happening back home in Australia as well. But there, like you said, it all comes down to that mindset. And So here's a difficult question. <laughs> how do you break that mindset or how do you evolve and change that mindset? from a personal point of view
1: the mindset <laughs> the mindset of being stuck in your own ways or like sticking to what you've learned a while ago
0: yeah, well a bit of both really so if changing another person's mindset it's a it's a I think a very
1: a tall aspect
0: exactly exactly so it needs to come from within it needs to be intrinsic and when it is intrinsic they it actually sticks it's more sustainable and it's stronger so do you have any advice for students who want to explore this but are afraid of that mindset shift to explore the opportunity to see what happens as initial steps
1: I think the first the first tip would be to not be afraid, because if you're going to be afraid of something, you're going to actively avoid it, right? There's nothing to be afraid of. In the world of startups, we like to say that failure is a feature, not Absolutely. a block, right? So, so, so basically, it's part of the process. Um, also, for potential managers or leaders of organizations that might listen to the podcast, it's really important to enable an environment where mistakes are something positive to learn from like it gives us opportunities to learn and grow yeah. obviously the same mistake done 10 times but the same person cannot be celebrated but uh, mistakes made because we were trying something new we were daring we were uh, you know wanting to expand our horizons should be celebrated Right? Um, and that's the number one because you were speaking of google earlier they ran this study on what makes uh, amazing teams high performing teams on like something like sixty thousand people or mm. something like that and one of the f- top two things that came up was a safe environment when it comes to potentially being wrong or doing something wrong, absolutely right uh, so so the psychological safety that that, that good teams have where people are incentivized to try and um, and expand what they're doing and try new things and so on without being penalized obviously nobody yeah. wants to do the stuff that you're being punished for
0: that's right, right.
1: Um, so 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 i think as students as young people look for those environments right that that offer you that nurturing environment um, open yourself up don't be afraid because because fear is going to keep you away from a lot of things um, and constantly expand what you're interested in what you're doing what you're reading and so on um, a really important topic here uh, when it comes to skills because we were just talking about that and mm-hmm. preparing for the future work and it goes into this mindset tech literacy for a lot of young people nowadays tech literacy is being really good at instagram or yeah. TikTok and whatever's going on else right now (laughs) Um, um, so uh, all of that is good people make tons of money on Instagram it's a very valid tool for marketing selling and everything it's really good to know right Um, but at the same time don't don't um, limit your sphere of interest in technology and use in technology only for entertainment and social right look at what's happening in the field what's being what are the breakthroughs being um, being uh, announced what were what, what are the companies that are building disruptive technology how can we try them out what are the best project uh, so, um, management softwares right on the market this is the type of skills that are really good when you have them on the CV, right? Perfect. You 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 might not be like the world's best um, engineer, but if you can organize a project uh, in Asana, for example, and mm-hmm. build great workflows, get everybody uh, you know uh, in line, organized, and make a project happen, that's something you can absolutely compensate with, right? So 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 again, like yeah, just try things out don't be afraid of failure don't be afraid of um, of like going wrong look for those environments that nurture that in you as well
0: i think that's valuable advice considering that almost every single one of those tech platforms or the software platforms are there's some form of a free method and you can try it out for with zero investments from as a student obviously funding is always an issue and um, obviously we remember <laughs> how it was like to be a student so i think it's just putting in that time to play with those software packages and platforms and just explore. That's exactly right. And, and this is something that I've noticed is quite easy to instill in design students versus say business students or accounting students. And just from it, that innate practice of designing, you're consciously looking for flaws to make that, whether it's a building space or whether it's an app or whether it's an interior space, you're designed to look for the errors to refine that and just go through that iteration process so I think I always speak about this design thinking your own life and designing your life using that exact same methodology where, where are the issues, where are the flaws, how can I refine it and that's, this is great combining that with, I think with computer literacy part of things the tech literacy they're the tools that enable us to succeed in this future of work so that's perfect
1: now, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I think um, I think that's uh, that that's super important when we look at not not doing. Uh, you know what they say that the definition of madness is trying to do the same thing you've ever done absolutely. and expecting a different result. Yep, It's not going to come along. We got to do something different if we want to, you know. Uh, and then with uh, tech literacy, being up to date with the field might also show you what to not invest in. I'll give you an example. There's this big company called UiPath. It's mm-hmm. getting massively funded right now. Um, and they're automating a variety of things that people didn't think could be automated before. So if you stay up to date with those kind of news, you can also look at that and be like, that's amazing. And that's also I don't I no longer need to learn because now somebody or something else is doing it. Right? Definitely.
0: definitely, And now, like you said, it might the platform may not exist next year. So you need to be able to move, change, adapt, evolve, like you mentioned before. That's perfect. That's now there's a question that I ask almost with every single one of my guests is how do teachers approach this? Because it's one thing for a student to go out of their way to change their own mindset. But teachers have this valuable role in molding our next generation. Now, <clears throat> I know you're an education enthusiast as well. And um, firstly, before I get on to, I think what the listeners should learn. Can you detail what you do in education here with Livid or externally on a global context?
1: Sure. Um, so we we try to um, we try to get involved with education as much as possible uh, without claiming to be an education expert. Uh, a few of the things that we do is. Right now, I think as of 2019, we, we collaborate with about four different universities from here and abroad um, to provide education and a taste into what it means to be an entrepreneur, run a startup and so on. So some of these universities actually come here and run full modules on entrepreneurship with them. We just had one uh, about, a year, uh, about a month ago, actually. Um, and so, 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 so we talk about you know startup development models. We talk about what do you need and not need to get started. Pro tip: not a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know what tools can you use? How to grow a high-performance team that can scale. Um, what's happening with the future of work and how to prepare for that and so on and so forth. So we do that. I'm. I actually am uh, personally just back from Jakarta, which is in Java, the neighboring island, uh, where I spoke at a program for um, for socialpreneurs from all around the ASEAN re- region. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to do a bit as much as possible. We're also potentially looking at in the future adding some kind of an academy for uh, both remote work skills if you want to go into that field and then also remote work management skills Um, so those are some just some ideas that we're we're looking at how we can how we can contribute Um, and uh, obviously we have the consultancy bit of our of our business where we uh, teach um, how you know basically do's and don'ts and especially don'ts that we've learned over seven years of building seven-figure businesses that have scaled beautifully, have a lot of uh, teams all all over the world and obviously that's a very steep learning curve, right, Um, that we're happy to share from.
0: And that's perfect because you're fast-tracking whoever's working out of this um, hub to learn from your mistakes so that they don't have to make the same mistakes and sometimes you have to consciously go out of your way to learn from other people but you've automated and streamlined that and i'm sure all other companies here will be very grateful <laughs> now all right that's that's pretty cool but how do you how do you think in your expert opinion that teachers should how what was the approach they should take to instill this in the future leaders of tomorrow because it's very difficult from an intrinsic point of sorry it's in contrast to it coming through as an intrinsic um, experience in terms of your mindset shift it's quite easier whereas the teachers have a job of instilling that in students that won't even understand what that means do you have advice for teachers and educators that um, how they can facilitate the growth looking at the people entering the industry in the next 5 10 20 years
1: absolutely i think um, it's a tough question. It's a tough I question. To say. Absolutely. Um, I think what what I would say is encouraging mindsets and frameworks rather than hard knowledge. So, for example, when you're teaching about a topic, once again, I'm not an, in any way an education That's expert. Okay. It's it's just um, an opinion from the world of entrepreneurship and what I see could. Could really help, and I'm also thinking of, for example, the interns that we've taken over the last years, and you don't expect interns to have a lot of experience. Yeah. So you look at again at attitudes and behaviors and personal traits when when you evaluate an intern because you don't evaluate him based her or him based yeah. on the experience, right? I think the like mindset and frameworks rather than hard uh, like knowledge. So so I would say. For example, when you teach about a topic, instead of delivering the information and expecting for that to be uh, repeated to you, um, like learned by heart and Mm -hmm. repeated back to you during an exam and so on, um, which sounds really last century for a lot of us, but it still does happen in a lot of places. Absolutely. um, To encourage, for example, debates on that, right? Uh, to encourage pro and cons point of view, to encourage writing arguments, writing um, again an essay on that that doesn't follow a very specific structure and so on. So you encourage critical thinking, you encourage research, you encourage other types of skills than um, than um, than actually uh, memorizing, right? Yeah. Uh, which is not super useful nowadays anymore because everything is a google search
0: away that's right that's right and i think what you're saying has a lot of value because it gets those students to think about and question something and this is a conversation that we have with almost every single one of my partner schools is how do you facilitate failure as a good thing failing forward embracing that mindset and having a no judgment space at the same time getting them to question why why should we do this, because we can do XYZ, seeing that holistic bigger picture and allowing them to understand how they can question and problem solve creatively, critically and go as an approach rather than a very set methodical way, like you said, that's actually really good. A debate is, I think, useful for everyone. It's rich conversation.
1: Absolutely, and I think another another skill or another mindset that can be encouraged during formal education is questioning something, as well as being prepared to offer a solution. So I see a lot of um, a lot of very young people now that are happy and willing to question things, but they're not prepared to. To provide a solution as well, yeah. even if that's a terrible solution, yeah. I still want to hear it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, so 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 this kind of attitude, because more than a skill, it's an, actually an attitude Definitely. of being like, oh, I don't like how the furniture is arranged in this room because it's inconvenient for the food traffic, right? But okay, so how else would you would you
0: what are your arrange it? Process? Like what, are what, your ideas? what what
1: is your thought process? Yeah. and I have to tell you, we often make changes based on this kind of feedback from uh, people that have nothing to do with said example for example the the yep. furniture or whatever right if they come to 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 us with with a good thought process with a good solution why not right we're an agile environment let's 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 change it let's adjust let's do things better um another thing that i think i could i call co- i could contribute here is i believe a lot in collaboration so um i i don't believe in in competition and in you know, enemies and all those things, even in, um, as you might know, in, in Bali, where a lot of different hubs and spaces mm-hmm. for co working and entrepreneurship and everything, we're all friends. I all recommend, I, I recommend all of them for certain things yeah. when we feel like there's something we cannot deliver. And a lot of them do the same for us, right? Um, so I believe the new world is a world of collaboration and a world of specializing in different things, and there's space for everybody. So, in, in the same spirit, I think entrepreneurs and startups and companies and hubs and everything and teachers and professors can collaborate with each other and a lot can come from this collaboration. We can learn a lot from their expertise and from their research and from their um, experience of of educating young people that are going to be the next generation in the work field Tomorrow right and they can benefit a lot from bringing the type of expertise that we have in their classroom Which is what these universities are doing the yep. programs I was talking about. So Let's work together, right? Absolutely. There's only a lot to gain from that.
0: Definitely. And I think that's the competition is a mindset of I think the previous Industry for uh, 3.0 because if you weren't fast enough if you weren't bigger if you weren't I think competing on your own, to stand up on your own feet, then it, you may fail. And in that previous, you know, 50 years ago, that may have been the case, but now actually we can leverage with each other's skill sets, create that win-win attitude, and find a solution that works for best people, and everyone then excels from there. So that's great, that's great. And I've noticed this pattern throughout this whole conversation that experimentation, um, collaboration, I think, failing forward, the iteration process, all of these uh, words, are these patterns are coming through. And being a design thinking expert, this is actually exactly my forte and I feel like it's we're headed towards that exact same, I think, skill set and that approach with, um, with empathy alongside for whoever you're working with. In your case, I think that example you mentioned before, that's perfect because if your employees are very, open to ideas and they know that you're actually open they're more willing to i think share those experiences share those thoughts and hey it may actually be a win it may not it might be a combined solution and i think as for teachers that's a that's a dead giveaway for them to facilitate that in their classroom a zero judgment open to ideas space where failure failure for failing forward is actually looked as a good thing Mm -hmm. and Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Darren Rackham, and he's our um, school contact from Gold Coast Partner School. And this is something he's trying to instill for every single one of his students on a big scale. So I think they're very lucky to have, I think Darren's um, leadership there. So that's that's incredible. I'm loving this because it's all these dots are connecting.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. One one sort of um, thought here, because we're talking about design thinking and we're also talking about collaboration, um, is. To collaboration is amazing, at the same time you sometimes see in certain organizations, groups, teams um, and so on, you see an exaggerated level of required collaboration that makes everything really slow. Mm -hmm. So um, on the flip side of the coin, collaboration is amazing but make sure collaboration is put where it makes sense and it involves the people that you know make sense for that specific project don't put 12 people in the room in this workshop or meeting that have nothing to do with that just because you want them to feel like they're collaborating (laughs) don't forget about you know the three pillars like autonomy mastery purpose autonomy should still be there give people the incentive to be proud of their individual work as Mm. well while collaborating when they need to with other people so um, I I think what's happening right now is successful models are being simplified and overly used sometimes. So, um, there was this idea of open offices, right? Everybody's doing open offices now. And then it turns out they're not good for a lot of organizations <laughs> yeah. because there is too much collaboration and too much noise and whatever. Then it's like, Collaboration should be everything, decisions should be taken together, whatever. And then you see organizations that are trying to run exclusively on that. And that's not good either, right? Absolutely. Because it it, it makes everything be stuck and slow, right?
0: And this is, I think, the problem. A lot of people are used to parroting back knowledge. So they may read it in a book. They may hear a seminar or an expert talk. Then they go back and then try to instill that just without anything else any further thinking it's just parroting back and you're essentially following the herd without questioning yourself going how does this actually fit into your model your specific context ask that why and this is uh, one of my favorite books is start with the why by simon sinek and he talks about this exactly giving that purpose and i think um what it word he uses it's accelerating the growth of your employees and giving them accountability by connect connecting that purpose to them so this is perfect i love it
1: (laughs) absolutely we actually run a a find Your why workshop for every one of our acceleration retreats with founders
0: there you go there you go perfect well unfortunately that's all the time that we have i feel like we could have gone for hours talking about this but um, before we leave do you have any last words or pearls of wisdom advice for inspired listeners
1: yes don't follow advice (laughs) Good, I love advice it. Advice and tips are tidbits of information, bite-sized bits of information that might not have context. So don't follow tidbits of advice, identify frameworks, design principles, uh, models of thinking, make sure they're relevant to what you do and follow that instead of some, some meme that sounds really good.
0: Yeah absolutely i think that's a perfect way to sign off thank you lavinia i really appreciate you giving up your time and in this island paradise while you're working and i'm definitely certain that a lot of the listeners teachers design professionals students they're going to get a lot from what you've spoken today a dead i think takeaway for myself is listen and learn and read that book holacracy that's uh, that's something i think is going to be very interesting to learn more about and um, so thank you so much for giving up your time
1: thank you so much for having me
0: so if you've stayed with us till the end then jump online for more details past episodes and the show notes from today's episode you'll find all the details about live it international and the cl- and click on the links and check out the amazing work they're doing here just visit rishansanayaka.com slash podcast and feel free to share the love and leave a review on apple podcast if you game enough to do this i will be personally reading out your message and giving you a shout out to the listeners from over 14 different countries so till next time